0: You can't bring a claim that is gradual onset in nature. So for example, if uh, you're just in a stressful job environment and it's gradually coming on over days, weeks, months, years, that is not how a claim for a stress claim, a viable stress claim, is brought in Nevada. Welcome to GGRM Law
1: Firms' You Matter to Us podcast. My name is Kevin Johnson and I will be your host. I... Want to talk today about PTSD claims that everyone brings, any worker that is injured but not by fault of their own on the job.
0: PTSD claims. So, the Nevada Industrial Insurance Act has provision for what is called stress claims. And the stress claims are found in a particular statute, NRS 616C.180. And that is where you will find any stress, mental, PTSD. Claim, rules, rights, remedies, etc.
1: So these are an injury or disease caused by stress. That's correct. Okay. And it exempts coverage of any condition caused by gradual
0: mental stimulus. What does that mean? Okay. So NRS 616C 180, the stress claim statute. Mm-hmm basically sets forth the idea that you can't bring a claim that is gradual onset in nature. So, for example, if uh, you're just in a stressful job environment and is gradually coming on over days, weeks, months, years, that is not how a claim for a stress claim, a viable stress claim, is brought in Nevada. You must show an actual incident, an accident, an exposure that results in some type of uh, physical risk or harm, and then also has a stress component directly related to that particular incident. So it sounds like an event-based, maybe uh, caused by extreme stress at a time of danger. That's exactly what the statute calls for. So think of the classic scenario, right? A convenience store worker, 2 a.m. on a Saturday, someone comes in, Sticks a gun in their face, mm-hmm. robs them. The guy's just, you know, working there at the convenience store. And now he's literally staring down the barrel of a loaded gun. That is a classic stress claim because he is clearly or she is clearly exposed to danger. There's actual real potential physical harm there that could happen to this particular person. And of course, you can then establish through the statutes a stress claim.
1: So I can't say that because I was laid off or terminated from a, a, my position may be stressful, but it doesn't classify as a stress claim.
0: That's right. So remember that there are various avenues that one can proceed against their employer, right? So there's federal, EEOC, FMLA, ADA, Title VII for you know, different types of uh, claims that you can bring. What we're talking about is workers' compensation, injuries or diseases obtained on the job. So for a stress claim obtained on the job, you need to demonstrate that you were exposed to that physical risk danger during a time of extreme danger and that you, in fact, developed a stress mental injury as a result thereof.
1: And what if there are physical injuries and PTSD?
0: That's usually the most common. So, for okay. example, there's another classic example. Say a truck driver or someone who operates a motor vehicle, they get into an accident, you know, a T-bone accident. They're trapped in the car. Their, their ankle is damaged. Their back is damaged. But the car is maybe on risk or truck is on risk for catching on fire, or they're still in the middle of traffic. Obviously, there's a high stress component that's happening there. There's still raging traffic going by, cars overturned, you're trapped inside of it, these type of things. But you also have a busted knee or injured back or an injured neck. But there's also a stress component to it as well. Is there a higher burden of proof with PTSD claims? Yes. And, And remember when we're talking about Uh, stress claims under the statute, they need not be just post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. They can be anxiety claims. They can be all kinds of different, uh, what is the statute called, stress claims. Mm -hmm. They're mental injury type of claims. So PTSD is certainly a subcomponent of a stress claim. I want to make sure that the audience understands that it's not just PTSD, but that's what we commonly use in the parlance, right? So is there a higher burden of proof with these PTSD claims? With regard to the burden of proof on these stress claims, the ability to bring one is slightly restricted. So you've got a higher burden of proof. It's called clear and convincing evidence. Now in usual workers' compensation claims, you have to prove by a preponderance of the evidence. That's the classic Tipping of the scales, type of situation, greater than 50% uh, is what uh, you hear in general common vernacular. Mm -hmm. A clear and convincing uh, burden is slightly higher than that. You know, it's not enormously high. This is still a civil burden. This is not beyond a reasonable doubt or anything like that, but it is a higher burden in preponderance. And on stress claims under NRS 616C 180, you do have to show by clear and convincing evidence. And that evidence needs to be supported by either medical or psychiatric.
1: Are EMS and police, firefighters, and dispatchers entitled to different benefits?
0: That is an excellent observation. So in 2019, the Nevada legislature altered NRS 616C 180 and essentially added EMS workers. So essentially uh, firefighters, volunteer firefighters, police officers, Dispatchers, EMTs, these type of folks have a different burden now than the rest of us, and that is they need not be exposed to actual extreme danger right then and there, like a classic stress claim is For everyone else, for mm-hmm. for lawyers, for carpenters, for uh, guest room attendants, for uh, uh, convenience store workers, everyone else has to have that exposure during a time of extreme danger, literally to them and their body at that moment in time, no longer true for these. We'll just generally classify them as first responders for these first responders. If they are exposed or directly witness uh, death mass casualty type of event, uh, then even though they're not exposed to extreme danger, they can still bring claim.
1: You had mentioned even volunteer
0: firefighters, That's right. So whether you're salaried or volunteer uh, as a firefighter, this particular rule applies to you, which of course makes sense because remember a lot of Nevada is rural Mm -hmm. and not all of Nevada has professional firefighting forces. They rely upon volunteer fire departments throughout much of our state. And the legislature wanted to recognize that those volunteer firefighters, of course, in large community, a large number of smaller communities throughout Nevada have the same risks That, you know, responding to a potential mass casualty, being exposed event or being exposed to, you know, death or dismemberment of people, it can happen just as easily in Pioch as it can happen in Las Vegas. Right.
1: Um, And you mentioned 2019. So did the Route 91 incident have anything to do with that?
0: Yes, that unfortunate uh, tragedy uh, was one of the impetus to, to bring shed light to this Now this has been a problem for years, right so police officers, firefighters, EMt first responders, and dispatchers for years long before the tragedy of route ninety one happened were exposed to these horrendous you know aftermaths of mass casualty or uh, answering the dispatch call of you know someone being killed or seeing their child drowned or listening to someone commit suicide. These things have been happening for years. I think that Route 91 just shed the light on the reality of what our first responders do, which is they go into not only go into harm's way, but they also have to go clean up and deal with the aftermath of the bad things that happen in our society. And you mentioned a dispatcher. How would a dispatcher have a PTSD claim? Obviously, a dispatcher is typically sitting in a safe environment, so they wouldn't be exposed to extreme danger, right? So prior to 2019, they would not be able to bring a stress claim unless something happened inside the where they're doing the dispatch. But that's rare, right? But imagine what a dispatcher does day in and day out. They're literally answering calls and responding to emergencies with the most dire and sometimes horrific things that human beings can experience. And they are directly witnessing through their ears Mm -hmm. what is happening on the other end of that line. They are hearing people contemplating suicide and then doing it. They're hearing people murder other people. They're hearing people uh, crying out in absolute agony as they're injured. They're hearing uh, mothers and fathers and family members responding to drowned children or parents that have died in front of them or fallen down the stairs. They're they're, They're listening to the absolute horrors that can happen in our society and in our lives. And the legislature wanted to recognize that this is a real risk that is exposed to our, our, our first responders, but also the dispatchers who are literally the people taking the calls uh, to send the frontline first responders into these situations.
1: So again, I go back to the 2019 change. What happens to those people that had something happen to them prior to 2019?
0: So for example, if you're a, again, we're, we're talking about first responders, mm-hmm. of course, because these rules apply only to first responders. They, the, these directly witnessed through your through your sight or through your, through your hearing, um, the aftermath of mass casualty, death, dismemberment, that kind of thing. Or one of these events happening live. Remember that before this statutory change, the ability to bring a claim like this was was limited to, you personally had to be exposed to extreme danger, right? So Mm -hmm. imagine if you're a firefighter, you're a police officer, and you're responding to a scene of a mass casualty shooting, I don't know, a bank was robbed and multiple people were murdered during the robbery, and now you're going into the event. Either the robbers are gone or gotten away, or there was a shootout and it's over, and they're no longer a threat. But the carnage is still all there. It's still live and happening. So while the extreme danger might not be there anymore because the active shooter is either gone or or apprehended or under control, the aftermath of it is still there. So if you would have tried to bring a claim before 2019 for just responding to that, not being exposed to the actual danger, that claim would not succeed. Now, of course, if you have a pre-existing condition from one of those events and then the statutory change comes along and you're exposed to a new event mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. aggravates accelerates or pre- precipitates an underlying condition that you have a pre-existing condition of course the Nevada industrial insurance act and the Nevada occupational disease act both address uh, statutory ways that aggravations pre-existing conditions aggravations of pre-existing conditions are compensable so we can still bring a stress claim even if you had one of these earlier exposures it just wouldn't be for that particular exposure if there's some new event that's uh, interceded in our conversations that we've had before, we've talked about
1: PPDs and how at the end of a claim, someone is evaluated by their injury. How does something like a
0: stress-related injury get evaluated? The permanent partial disability examination, the PPD exam, there is an examination that is done for stress-related claims. Now, there's not a specific chapter in the, in the guidebook by the AMA 5th Edition Guides to Impairment. But there are parts of it throughout that are utilized for stress claims. So Nevada has adopted this form. Let's get too deep into the weeds, but it's called a D9C, D9 Charlie, D9C form that essentially uh, sets forth what the examining physician, and typically this is an MD or DO, has to do when they're examining the stress claim claimant. So there's a there's a bunch of different questions that get asked about the types of mental impairment you may have, what kind of functions that may be reduced because of it, your activities of daily living, your social function your ability to concentrate and how you're you're compensating or more importantly, decompensating in in work settings or in your social settings. And then what the doctor is doing is evaluating these sub questions and assigning them points or weights. And at the end of that, he or she tallies, tabulates all these different points. And then there's a chart that basically says, okay, well, here is what your total is. And like any other Injury in the uh, in the fifth edition guides, you could have a zero percent whole body impairment. You could have a hundred percent whole body impairment due to this stress injury, and everything in between. So one to ninety nine, you know, zero to one hundred. This is true also in, in stress claims as well. But it is a unique uh, form that is utilized, and a unique schedule and, and a process that they walk through that you won't find in one. Sp- in the fifth edition guides mm-hmm, to impairment mm-hmm. it's all over the uh in various different chapters and what happens is, is Nevada has essentially adopted this particular form to help the rating physician guide the examination on a, on a stress-related claim
1: now you may not be able to answer this but what I'm thinking about is that maybe the older generation first responders something happens and they tough it out they don't bring
0: this sort of claim is do you find that to be the case we find, unfortunately, in our society, and certainly in in, in the professions of uh, first responders, this, this some level of stigma that's associated with stress claims. Thank goodness, the information has you know developed over the last century from you know shell shock of World War One to the PTSD of Vietnam to the modern era, where we understand you know that mental injuries, stress injuries, are very real components uh, of. Uh, human existence. And we do see sometimes some of the older frontline responders a little bit more guarded in bringing these claims, but they really shouldn't be. Ultimately, the point is, is that the person that you're trying to protect is yourself, your family, your team members, your crew. And if you're not addressing these particular stress claims out of some old Nowadays, we'd even say misguided notions of you know those stress injuries aren't real. You know, only a you know a busted pelvis is real. But you know, someone sticks a gun to your head and you respond negatively. They well, that's not." Real. Of course, it's very real. So we would like to see folks really you know avail themselves to these protections that the Nevada legislature, the policymakers that we've all elected, have said, "No, this this is real. We see it. We accept it. You should too."
1: So Jason, how does somebody know that they have a viable claim? I mean, there's so many components to it and I would imagine that this is just as confusing as injuring your leg. Sure, it's uh, more but, so. but more so, right?
0: Absolutely. The these claims are not simple to navigate or bring and I believe much of the population doesn't quite understand how to navigate these claims properly. The fact of the matter is is that the, the team here at GGRM uh, really understands these stress-related claims, and in particular with our vast experience in the police and firefighter community, that we understand the implications and how to bring these particular claims and assist first responders in bringing these claims uh, and not... S- stumble through them because there are errors that i've seen over the last couple of years that some folks have advanced these claims not fully understanding how they work or how they're implemented so you know as always we're here free consultation no no obligation you know happy to set up an appointment and see if you've got a viable claim that's what we do
1: the information on the ggrm law firm you matter to us podcast is not legal advice Legal advice is dependent upon those specific circumstances of each situation. Also, the law may vary from state to state, so that some information on this podcast may not be applicable for your jurisdiction. Finally, the information contained on the GGRM law firm You Matter to Us podcast is not guaranteed to be up to date. Therefore, the information contained in this podcast cannot replace the advice of competent legal counsel licensed in your state.